Our gracious Father in heaven, again, we take this privilege to come and to be with thee. We pray, Father, that as is typical of our human bodies to be weary in the afternoon and to find heaviness and even to slumber, Lord, we pray that yet we may be attentive and find an encouragement that we have time now to hear thy word and, and to hear something that may remind us of thy will in our lives. We pray, Father, that thou would visit us, therefore, bless everyone that is present here, and bless all those that wish to be here but are hindered for health reasons or other obligations, which thou knowest. And so we pray, Father, appreciating what we have, we ask thee to visit us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> With the Lord's help, I'd like to read from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 21, beginning with verse 7. Sorry, beginning with verse 5. Luke, chapter 21. beginning with verse 5. And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come, in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, when shall these things be, and what signs shall there, will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by, or immediately. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places or in various places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or contradict nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends. And some of you shall they, be, shall they cause to be put to death. 
and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that, are, that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity and the seas and the waves roaring. Man's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is, nigh, is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. I have read through verse 36. We are all very familiar to some degree or another. We are familiar with the scriptures that speak to us about the times that are to come, that are to precede the, the coming of Jesus Christ. And this is a topic that has always been interesting and has been of great curiosity for Christians throughout all the ages. For us, in living in, in, the, in, in the 2000 century, 2000, 2013, we have a very different perspective than someone in the, in the early Christian church who really believed that the return of Christ was going to happen very, very soon. 
Jesus himself says that that when that these things are signs for us that his coming, that the kingdom is coming soon. But we live in a time now where we have somewhat 2020 vision and we can look back and realize that throughout history, particularly Christian history, um, those who felt that the events of the world as they understood it then were signs that Christ's return was, was very, very soon were, were wrong, unfortunately. Clearly, God has allowed his time to span 2,000 years, roughly from the time that Jesus spoke these words, which means that Christ's meaning of the word near, or as the disciples in the early Christian church believed that his return was near, um, was, was much longer than they would have thought. I don't believe, and of course we can never substantiate that claim, but I don't believe that the early Christian church believed that Christianity or the earth would last another 2,000 years. I don't believe that it was possible for them to, to envisage life on earth the way it is now. It, just, it, would, it would be something that it was inc- incomprehensible for them to think that society, the world would have evolved to where it is today. But in that change of 2,000 years, the message has not changed. The message of salvation is still as relevant today as it always was. And so is the message of the return of Jesus Christ. In every era, in every generation of Christians, there's a need to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ's return is near. And for us, I I don't propose that near for us means yet another 2,000 years. You may say, well, following your logic, Alan, clearly we may misinterpret the signs of today just like in the early church or the early centuries, people misinterpreted certain events as meaning, as, as, as the coming of Christ. But we see that certain events have happened in our time that are distinct from anything that's ever happened in the last 2,000 years. One of them is the creation of the state of Israel that was prophesied, and it was, it was not possible for Jesus Christ to return before that prophecy was fulfilled. And we live in the time when that prophecy has been fulfilled. We also live in a time where we see that the world is changing in a way that is becoming more and more hostile to Christianity or to Christ. And while we have the affordability, we can, almost as a luxury, we can come here and gather in a beautiful church that we have labored to, to build for and prepare for ourselves. We can enter these doors without any fear of, of imprisonment, we, we can freely gather and, and preach from and open the Bible and speak freely about what it says. But we see that, that it's not just in our society, but in many societies around the world, particularly the Western societies, those freedoms are slowly changing. In our own 
society, in our own country, there are changes associated with um, gender, gender discrimination. Um, whether someone feels that they are a male when they really are a female, and, and there are uh, groups in our society that encourage people to discover themselves and to explore and to go ahead and, and use medical means to, to, to alter who, who they are to become whom they think they should be. So there, there are changes that are happening that the Bible, that, that, sorry, that, are, that, are, that are, our society is now placing into laws which make it a, an offense, a legal offense to discriminate and to identify something as, as sinful. I believe, this is just my personal belief, that um, the times are changing. They're going to change very quickly. And one of the things that will be is, is the ability for churches. Right now we have the privilege that we, are, we have from the um, Revenue Canada we have the designation as a, as, a, as a charity. But that designation is going to come under scrutiny. Not because we are, we are uh, abusing our right of collecting money and having um, the, the ability to collect money and dispense money for special needs without having to, to pay taxes, and that each of us who give money can claim that money against our taxes, that's not what's going to come under scrutiny. What's going to come under scrutiny is what we believe. And very recently, um, there are charity groups in our country that receive special, that receive special funding for uh, humanitarian projects. And uh, there was one incident which I can't remember the, all the details, several months back, where um, those special interest groups in our society that want to promote uh, gay rights, lesbian rights, and, and whatever other rights in our society that are contradictory or in, 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 in contrast to the Word of God, they happen to search out that charity, which happened to be a, a so-called Christian charity, and they, they found in their website their statement of faith. We have a statement of faith, too. And they found in their, in their statement of faith uh, words where, they, where in, they quote the Bible where they identify homosexuality as being sin. And immediately they flagged that. It was in the media. You may have seen it. They brought it up against the government. You know, how can the government be supporting a, a, a company that, that clearly... Is in, is in defiance to the law. Clearly, we live now in the 21st century. Uh, people understand that, that gay rights that, you know, are, is, is normal. And under pressure, that charity quickly removed that statement of faith in the website. Now, I don't know whether they changed their policy at all. I don't know what happened internally to that charity. But it is just a glimpse of what is to come. And I believe that more and more, it'll become very difficult for churches like ourselves, which hold 
certain views that are, that are against society's norms and the way society is going, that, that certain interest groups in society will, will look for these churches like ours, will identify issues in our websites or our statements, faith, or belief, and bring those issues up to the government. And probably the first consequence of those things is that we will, if we fail to adjust our statement of faith or beliefs, as stated in our policies and in our websites, that probably we will lose our charitable status. I don't think that's an unlikely scenario. In fact, I believe it's likely to happen. And it's one of the things that are, one of the many things that will begin to happen with time. And I believe it will happen actually quite soon. And while you may, you and I may say, well, it doesn't really matter because as far as the charity is concerned, we give to God. It doesn't really matter whether we can claim that on our tax, tax return. That's not the purpose of our giving. That's not what motivates us to give. But what this is telling us is that we need to, the times are changing, and we need to prepare ourselves for these times. Sooner or later, you know, we, we have, we take it for granted. We have our, 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 um, our church is very organized and distributed. But we know that when, those, when times come and hardship comes, um, our gathering together won't be as free as we have it today. It will probably be removed and we will have to make a decision of how we gather. And this is not unlike what happened to our brethren during the war in Europe when they began to gather in, in secret. The Bible is reminding us, as we see our society changing, that things are going to happen. Now, in this account here, Jesus was reminded, was a remark was made by the disciples or by those in the crowd that were with Jesus as they were leaving the temple that how beautiful the temple Herod had made. And Herod, I believe, was building the temple for 40 years. Can you imagine a construction project that would be lasting 40 years? So this, was, this, this temple that Herod built was definitely a, one of the wonders of the world at the time. And it was recognized throughout the Roman world as something spectacular to see. And Jesus told them that, um, that the days will come in which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then he goes on to describe that, um, take heed that ye be not deceived for many. They asked him the question, you know, what, when is this, this going to happen? In fact, if we were to read Matthew, Matthew has a, a good, describes their... Uh, two of the other Gospels provide the same description. And they asked him the question, um, and they say, this, He sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So the disciples were concerned. They wanted to know what were the signs, visible signs, that they could identify in society that would tell them that his coming was near? 
and that the end that these things were these things were going to come to pass in 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 particular in reference to the fact that the temple that not one stone from the temple was going to be left on top of the other that everything was going to be broken down they wanted to know when was this going to happen and what are the signs that would precede that what are the visible signs that we can say aha yes the time is near and when shall come the end of the world because they believed that the end of the world for them meant that Jesus Christ was going to usher in a time to, to, to rule as the son of David, as was prophesied in the Old Testament. And Jesus told them, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. So he told them that, that don't be deceived, that there will be many that will come claiming to be the anointed one, the one that has the answers. In, 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 in the, for the Jews, this meant Christ or, or the Messiah. And we know that historically people have come and gone. We see it um, today that, that there, there, aren't, there aren't too many that are outstanding right now. There aren't too many figures out there in this world. We may say that... Um, you know, maybe the Buddhists have uh, an individual that, that claims to, to, to be able to give you knowledge of your inner peace. But generally speaking, right now in this world, there isn't one individual out there that, that stands out. But there are many voices out there. And unless you are anchored, unless your life is anchored on something that you, you know, and I think for, for, for children that are raised in our church, they have one advantage in our society. One advantage, well, they have many advantages. One, one of them is that God builds a hedge around them, whether they like it or not. God builds a hedge around them because they're children of believers. Even if they believe in God or not, God builds a hedge around them. But one advantage that they really have is that they know the truth, whether they believe it or not. They know the truth and they can use the truth to 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 ju judge the other voices in this world there are so many voices in the world and they're all competing for our attention but we can always weigh those voices and determine how they fit with what we know to be true but the time will come where the bible says here that many will will call themselves christ and will attract the attention of many and in our time we can see that this is likely to happen when the events of the world become so drastic that people are looking for solutions and when president barack obama of the united states was elected uh, in his inaugural speech there was and if you would have heard the speech the speech was full of of vague hope but hope nonetheless, it was very vague because he was a politician, but it was, it was, it was well written and designed in order to lift the emotions of the audience, to fill their hearts with an expectation of hope, even though there was nothing really concrete behind those promises. But he was a man that not only the Americans, the middle-class Americans and the Hispanics and the Afro-Americans and, and other Americans, they, they pinned so much hope on this man. It wasn't just the Americans, but the Europeans. The Europeans were fascinated with Barack Obama. 
in the beginning. They wanted to meet this man. And you can see, therefore, that the world is prime and is ready to, to hear yet another voice that will come across with solutions to the world's problems. And the world has major problems. Right now, it has major problems. I want to quickly skip to verse, um, well, verse 9, verse 10 and 11 talk about, he's tell, Jesus tells them, the nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, which means in various places, and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. So Jesus says that, that these are the things that are going to happen. You're going to, you're, there's going to be greater intensity of wars a higher frequency of global conflict. And I, I don't remember the statistics, but clearly somebody has done the math. And since I forget what year, before probably World War I or before World War I, we, we are living in a time where there has, been, there has never been a period of time on this earth where there has been no conflict, where one nation is not in war with another nation or where there has not been a civil war within a single nation. So, and that's different than history. So over the last perhaps 200 years, we are living in a time when conflict in this, on this earth has not stopped, has not stopped historically. And Jesus is saying that it's going to increase in severity and in frequency. It will be at a global scale. We've seen it in World War I. We saw it in World War II. And we don't want to see it again in World War III. But it's going to increase in global scale. And there will be earthquakes. And we had a topic like this in camp where um, a brother presented uh, a whole bunch of statistics. And, you know, the, the, the statistics, there's a saying for those of, of you who worked with statistics that you can, you can say anything with statistics. You can make statistics say anything you want. In other words, you can lie with statistics. And, and that's true. And so we can't go based on statistics because there's a lot more information that we would need to dig. But, there's, but clearly, earthquakes will happen more and more, and it will happen in various places, places that would not, one would not expect to have an earthquake. And there will be fearful sights and great signs in the heaven. So these, these are, in general, the things that are going to precede his coming. But he says something to them that's important. But before all these things happen, before you can recognize these as the signs that precede my coming, he says, they shall lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and to prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for not my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. In other words, this should be a, a testimony that you can use to reassure yourself that this is what Christ already said. Now, we, we read this morning uh, in, in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are ye when man shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. So these, these things are going to happen. They've happened in pockets 
and in isolation in different times of, of age of history, but they're going to happen in a global scale. And that's what's going to make them different than anything that's ever happened before. It's going to happen in a global scale. And so you have to ask yourself, because God is warning us that these things are going to happen, so we need to be attentive to the changes that are happening in our society. There are changes in our laws that are going to make our freedom to worship. So we have the right to worship and, and to practice our faith in this land. But that is going to change because what's going to happen, likely, is that even though it's in the Charter of Freedom and rights in, in our country, if it infringes on the general freedoms of humanity or society, then your faith and my faith no longer is a valid faith as far as the Charter of Freedoms and Rights are concerned. And you can see how what the Bible tells us we need to believe and the way we need to walk, how that's going to come into conflict with the laws of this land more and more. And so we take it for granted we live in a free country, but that freedom will change one day. But the Bible says here that... that um, uses very strong words that um, we and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Nobody wants to be hated. Nobody wants to be in that situation. But the Bible tells us that when these things begin to come and, and, and you are beginning to experience, and it's going to happen in a, in a, very, um, in a very fast manner. It's, it's it's not going to be something that, that you're going to have time and ample warning and, okay, if things weren't right in your life, you can, you can get them right with God now uh, because, because you have time. Verse 34 says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. Now, Surfeiting, or the word there, overcharged, means to be weighed down with overindulgence. Overindulgence, almost like intoxication. We become, you know, people can become intoxicated when they overeat. You can actually experience poison in your body if you overeat. And the, the, the imagery here is that take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be in this kind of condition, that you are weighed down with, with an overindulgence in the things of this world so that you become numb or somewhat intoxicated and are not able to, you're not receptive to the things that are happening around you, particularly the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That your hearts... Be not overcharged with surfeiting, with drunkenness, and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares, or unawares like a trap, like a snare. You fall, you, you, you fall into a snare. You come into a trap. It, it, that's exactly how the world is going to find themselves when, when these things begin to happen, and they're going to happen in a, a rapid succession. Things are going to move very, very quickly. When, when in the other scriptures, in Matthew, 
and Mark, it talks about this is the beginning of sorrows. And, and the word there, beginning of sorrows, is, is an expression used to, de- to describe the birth pains that a woman feels when she begins to go into labor. And so the picture is that the, the pains will become more frequent and more intense. And they will become, the, the frequency and the intensity will speed up. So God is going to allow these things to happen on, on the earth, and what's going to be born from this experience would be obviously the kingdom of God will come. But before that happens, there will be this, this rapid succession of events in this world that will bring, will bring such concern to the world that Jesus said in verse 26, man's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So God is going to do something incredibly marvelous that he's going to shorten the days, except the days be shortened for the elect's sake. So he's going to actually shorten the days, not just the period of time, but he's going to short in which these things are going to happen. He's also going to shorten the daylight hours. He's going to create a situation where uh, if we were to read in Revelations where uh, the moon doesn't give her light, the sun doesn't give her light for part of the days, these are going to be supernatural things. If the sun doesn't give its light, the moon can't reflect the sun's light. These are, these are going to be supernatural things that when they begin to happen on the earth, they will be so, they will be of such scale that unless you're grounded, on this truth. And that's why it says here, settle, in, settle it in your heart beforehand. These things are a testimony for you that, they are, that God's word is true. It's going to come to pass. So unless we're grounded in the word of God, these things are going to cause so much fear and anxiety in people that it says that man's hearts will fail them. Man's heart. Now, Clearly, it's talking in, in general terms, both men and women, but, but people will become so overcome as, it, as if they're, they're fainting with fear of the signs that they will see. And if you ever read the accounts of those that have survived the tsunami, um, those that have survived in, in, uh, when they were in vacation and they, and they were struck by the tsunami in those beaches, the foreigners, and and the experience that they went through, it's, it's beyond any human experience that they can imagine. So when God, and it says here, the man will, they'll fail, it will fail them because there will be great distress of nations. There will be perplexity and the, and the sea and the waves roaring. So this picture, if you can imagine, if the tsunamis that we've had lately have caused so much distress in those people that have been affected by it, and if you were to watch the destruction that happens when those tsunamis hit, you can imagine when God decides to cut the sun by a third, the light, and the moon doesn't shine and the days change, and there are earthquakes in places you didn't expect. And all these things begin to happen that unless you understand what's happening, the fear that will go through the heart of man will be so severe that some people will actually faint and even perhaps have a heart attack because of this fear. 
As believers, we need to watch and pray always that we may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So, in closing, there is... We want to escape. Nobody wants to be in a situation. Nobody wants to suffer. Um, But I don't believe that that's what that scripture means. I believe that scripture is saying that the word escape there in the Greek is is to fly to safety. So it means that you will be, by the grace of God, able to to fly to safety through these events. And the Bible says clearly that some will be put to death. But even when you're put to death or when people's lives are lost in this persecution, the Bible says that not a hair of your head will perish. And one would say, well, that seems to be a contradiction. That seems to be an inconsistency in the word of God. What is Jesus saying? Some of you will be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Well, not a hair of our head will perish because one thing that man can do is they can destroy the body, but they cannot take away salvation. They cannot take away what God has given us. And these things will be a testimony for the nation. They will see, we will be testimonies for this world, and God will use his people to to continue to proclaim faith even though the time is ticking very, very quickly and events are coming to an end. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to be distressed. We don't have to be like the nations and, 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 and faint or have our hearts fail us. The, the times will be difficult. That will be an understatement. They will be very difficult. But we have assurance from the word of God that he will keep us faithful to the very end. It's not in our power. It is in his power. It is his battle. And, and all we have to do is trust him to the very end. And he will see us through it. But the Bible warns us. Warns us. That we should not be caught unawares. And that means the way we live today can impact how we will handle these situations that are to come. May the Lord bless his word. So we heard a lot today about building on a solid foundation, solid rock. And we can see that certainly in our lifetime, each of us that believe in Christ will experience floods of waters that will come in and strike us in a way that unless we are solidly grounded on Jesus Christ, we would not be able to withstand the, the force of that flood. But as we read this afternoon, clearly if we do his word and keep it, we will be like that man that built his foundation upon the rock and was able to withstand. 
And we are encouraged here. And it says, um, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, the things that we just talked about this afternoon, when these things begin to come to pass on a global scale, Jesus told his disciples, look up. Look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. It is near. And I can imagine putting myself, transporting myself into that time that is to come when things are going to be so difficult, and yet to know that when I see the signs, that I know his coming is near. And, his, and to remember these words, I believe the Spirit will bring these words to us, that we are to look up and to lift up our heads, meaning that our heads may have been down because we may have been feeling overcome. But we are to look up with expectation to know that his return is very, very near. Let's continue to build upon the solid bedrock, which is Jesus Christ. And we are guaranteed success. Not even a hair will perish, the Bible says. This concludes our service. Amen.